Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. Today is Tuesday. It's November the 28th. We are coming to the end of this month and moving into the Christmas season. It's about to be Advent. This this uh, weekend is going to be the first Sunday of Advent. For those of you who are about to start opening your calendars up and feeding your kids chocolate once a day. Do you guys do that too with the uh, Advent calendar? Big fan. You guys are all talking about it being cold in the chat, except the people who live in Florida who said that it's about 60 degrees in Florida. <laughs> you got to love it. Those central Florida winters are brutal and require you to get a suspendable hoodie, most likely. Folks, we've got an interesting show for you today. We're going to do a recap at the end of the show today of yesterday's show. Lest you didn't take away that 90 minutes, we're going to condense it into a few minutes. But what I want to talk about, a little bit of censorship, and I want to talk about the government. It's there to help you, isn't it? Isn't it kind of funny how leftists don't actually understand and they have no sense of irony about the things they might say, and they don't apologize for it after the fact either. They just say, um, I'm going to say ridiculous words that come out of my mouth. Many of you guys have seen the uh, the thumbnail. Throw the thumbnail up there real quick, Ryan. It's pretty good, uh, mostly because this education secretary, a guy named Miguel Cardona, look at that fat face. That guy is well-fed, would be the nice way of saying it. He got out and uh, said something kind of ridiculous, but I think it actually tells us a lot more about what this administration thinks. They have no problem with co-opting truth into their lies, and they have no problem with being absolutely ridiculous, and they have no shame about it. So we're going to do some of that fun stuff. Um, before we do it, let's start off with a shameless plug for our friends at Catholic Vote. I'm just throwing a fast one at you, Ryan, here. Catholic Vote and our friends at CatholicVote.org. You can go to their website, which is, in fact, CatholicVote.org. You can sign up for The Loop, which is an email service that we get every single day here. They are America's top advocacy group for faith, family, and freedom. They are leading this fight. And what are they doing? They're suing the FBI. They are giving you information. They are informing you, which is the part one. They are arming you with information, including today's. And uh, they are also doing lawfare in the reverse. They are working against the federal government, trying to expose some things, make things transparent. Today's loop is a little heavy on Catholic news, I found, and some really strange stuff out of Wisconsin, where our friend Garrett O'Boyle lives. They have something about a satanic Christmas tree. Is that even a thing? Um, some of the news that you probably won't see anywhere else, that's pretty outrageous stuff. A lot going on in the world, whether it be in the sphere of religion or culture and so on. But uh, yeah, look at that. There's some of their original reporting over there talking about a satanic Christmas tree with a coiled snake at the base. I guess they don't really understand the, what, what Christmas is about. If you guys want to vote, uh, donate, and you want to support today is what they call Giving Tuesday. You guys can support Catholic Vote by going to the Give button on the top right-hand side of their webpage, making a one-time or a monthly donation. If you like, we do appreciate it. Like I said, they keep the lights on here at the Seraphim household. They are our single biggest sponsor, and they are outstanding people as well. Good people with a good sense of humor. You can't cancel them because they are not cancelable they don't care and they have some really based based ideas about the world um they sort of believe you know things like men are women men are men and women are women and kids should be left alone we're going to talk about that at the end of the show today too let's start right off with a clip from what led off today's uh title of the episode i just think it's fun we're going to play a game that's called who wore it better but it's going to be a quote so we're not going to do dresses it's not going to be on the um the red carpet this is who wore it better let's play video clip number one the education secretary, Miguel Cardona, from the Biden administration. You know, we're going to set up follow-up calls with every governor we met with to make sure we're available. 
Um, as uh, I think it was President Reagan said, we're from the government. We're here to help. Um, there's, there are resources there. There's technical assistance there. And there's a playbook that could support the work you're doing. Count on us as a partner in this. Our students are waiting. Thank you. First of all, he doesn't have any students. He's part of the education department from the federal government. So they don't have any students. They don't run schools. They give money to schools and they influence policy in ways that shouldn't even exist. It is an agency that is looking for a mission and doesn't need to be there. We could do without. It turns out the federal government doesn't really run schools. State governments sort of do, but local governments really do. So why are we going to the federal government the furthest way and having this clown? Look at his face when he says this quote, which he he destroys. We're going to play the real one in a second. The who wore it better part. But look at his face. He actually is looking for like applause or a laugh. He's got a smile like I just nailed it. Watch him say this one more time. We're going to play that clip number one again, if you would, Ryan. Keep your eye on his facial expression if you didn't see it for previously. You know, we're going to set up follow-up calls with every governor we met with to make sure we're available. Um, as uh, I think it was President Reagan said, we're from the government. We're here to help. Um, right there. There's, there are resources there. There's technical assistance there. And there's a playbook that could support the work you're doing. Count on us as a partner in this. Our students are waiting. Thank you. Yeah. Michelle 68 Delta just said it. Clap, please, was exactly what he had. That was his face. Is anyone going to clap? I just said it. I said the line. Are you guys into it? You're not into it. Why? Because Reagan said it better. Here's video number two. Give it a shot. Let's see what he said. I think you all know that I've always felt the nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. I'm from the government and I'm here to help are the nine most terrifying words. They are not advice for government bureaucrats to go out there and advertise their capabilities. Uh, Ultra MTA said that is our cross-eyed bear. Yep, that is the cross-eyed bear right there, my friends. Miguel Cardona, poor guy. You want to pull up the uh, the article? Fox News did a little piece on it. We'll talk about it. What was going on? Like, why was he giving this, this statement? Why was he even involved in it? And it's pretty straightforward. He was at the Western Governors Association winter meeting, which was held in the very fancy Jackson Hole, Wyoming. So here he is on the west side of the country in the Rocky Mountains, and he's in Jackson Hole, which is a home for millionaires now. They turned it into this absolutely lush paradise. But generally speaking, Wyoming is kind of old school America. It's a lot like Montana. It's cold. There are people who deal with real things like cattle and agriculture. And here he is saying that he believed that Ronald Reagan's stance was the government was here to help. I don't know. Like that guy's older than me. So he should have no excuse for thinking that Ronald Reagan somehow thought government was the solution. I don't know where you would come up with that. I don't know where you would you would look at the entire history of Ronald Reagan and decide that the government was any solution. He basically argued the opposite of it. And some of you may have even seen there's a T-shirt that is made with that phrase. It's got a guy wearing like sort of a balaclava. He's wearing like a ski mask and he's standing up on top of a rooftop pointing a, a rifle down at you doing like this overwatch position and it says you know I, i'm from the government i'm here to help the idea is is that the government is the worst solution to all problems except when it's the only solution to the problem and there are times when we can't have anyone else do it but we don't do it with any love or joy in fact if you go back to the founding of this country with the federalist and the anti-federalist debate the anti-federalists were arguing for a weak federal government weaker than it is. The federalists were arguing for one that was strong enough to be able to exist and not fall apart on its own weakness, but was not strong enough to invade and destroy your civil liberties. 
And the Bill of Rights that we got was, in fact, sort of the compromise between those who wanted a strong enough federal government that could actually continue to stand on its own merits. Remember, they just came out of a failed Articles of Confederacy, which was essentially they were unable to sustain anything. They had no real authorities. It was a government that was in name only. There's that great pin by the or patch. I, I almost bought that for a hat a long time ago, but I feel like people wouldn't get it. If you're running by them on a trail, like people aren't going to look over and go like, oh, that guy. Uh, thinks the government's good or that guy dislikes the government. He's got the suppressor on the rifle. The whole thing is great. There's another one with a guy who's I think he's holding like a uh, he's holding a uh, an M16 with like a 203 grenade launcher on the bottom of it too. also looks very threatening. But the long and short of it is you're not supposed to have a federal government that's strong enough to come in and give you certain things like the education department, which gives all these funds. Those funds come from the states. They come from you, the people, which is the reason why our label Taxation is theft. I want you to meditate on this for a second. If you were to go up to your neighbor and at gunpoint tell them to give you whatever money they have or a percentage of their money. Hey, give me 32% of your money. Give me 24% of your money. Give me $10,026, but also 24% of the money that you have that's over that. And, and that's what our tax structures look like. That would be That would be felony theft, right? That would be grand larceny anywhere you go. If the government does it, then it's called taxation. You can't tell me that there's not a direct line between what that is, taxation and theft. And many of us think that way. And here's the other thing. It's not like we're getting a great deal. Somebody just said there was a great meme I saw the other day that showed a guy stroking out a check for the, for the IRS. And he was like, well, I just paid my taxes, so I expect those roads to be done by the end of the week. You know, the government gets money every single year. They get it every single month from you in many places. They're going to pay it out. It comes out of each one of your, your paychecks for those of you who are W-2 employees. And as you stroke out that check, which is the government getting a piece of your income. It's not like we're seeing a regular progress. Now, do we have better roads than maybe some places do? Sure. But is it the attention? No, because we're paying for fat guys like that to eat all their fill and fly around and give meetings where they don't understand American history and talking to Western governors. I mean, if you figure who the governors are in the West, what a weird mishmash of people. You'd have a Gavin Newsom You'd have the governor of Oregon and Washington. Then you'd have Idaho and Montana and Wyoming and Utah, <laughs> Colorado. What a strange group of people to put together. I don't know what they have anything in common other than that they are geographically in the same area. And all the people that live in the rural areas in all of those states don't like any of those people that are in that room. That's probably the only thing they have in common. Quite strange. Um, it comes down to the fact that if the government is going to be the organization that wants to tell you what's good, which is what the, the leftists, the Democrats believe, what this Biden administration believes, then they're also going to kind of control you in many ways. We've seen the censorship being slowly peeled back. There was a veil over it. We didn't know what was happening. We had a sense of it, but there's something different. And that's why yesterday's show was, I think, very important. When you have a sense that something is happening, it's one thing. When you actually have the black and white policies, the words of those people coming down on top of you, then it's a very different animal. And so I want to bring up this, uh, this topic that came. This is right out of CNN platform today. And you know, CNN, they're no friend of what we're talking about. But CNN is very concerned with the fact that Twitter still exists and it exists in a pretty strong way. The article here, this is by Oliver Darcy, who is a big favorite of mine. Uh, he wrote this on Monday. It says major brands are not only pausing ads on Elon Musk's X, that's Twitter. They're stepping away from the platform altogether. Now, he's not saying this like as a cautionary thing, like don't cancel people for speech. This is celebratory. This is absolutely a celebratory statement. And even the picture of Elon Musk there wearing a suit, um, they're, they're trying to not make him look great. They're saying that the exodus 
from X is bleeding beyond major advertisers. It's not just that the people have stopped advertising, and they have. They had an entire concerted effort that was done by Media Matters and the Anti-Defamation League, which is this like left-wing, formerly pro-Jewish, but no longer. Now it's just a left-wing activist group that is going out trying to bleed Twitter dry. Why? Because where the conversation is, is where they want to control. And they can't control Elon Musk in a meaningful way. It says here, quote, in recent days, a number of prominent media brands have not only paused their paid marketing campaigns on the embattled Elon Musk-owned social media platform, even the way they phrase it, the embattled social media platform. Do any of you use Twitter in the chat? Let me know. You guys use Twitter? I uh, I use it all the time. I don't know that it's embattled. Every time I use it, it works fine. So does that make it embattled? It's a battleground, for sure. The crazies are on there. But I don't know that it's an embattled social media platform. And they say, um, but some of these, these major media brands have ceased posting on there altogether. They've gone silent. And the once essential site thought to be the world's digital town square. The flagship accounts belonging to Disney, Paramount, Lionsgate, <laughs> Sony Pictures, Universal, and Warner Brothers have not posted on the platform in roughly 10 days. So we're not getting the tweets from Disney, Paramount, Lionsgate, Sony, Universal, and Warner Brothers. What does that tell us? That tells us that we're not catching whatever propaganda these media companies are pushing out. And we don't have as much things, as many things rather, to make fun of. Because almost everything that Disney has put out, everything that Paramount puts out, Universal, Warner Brothers, and so on, these are leftist, woke morons that have no touch with what's going on, let's say, with the people in Wyoming. They don't know. They're not connected to these human beings. So we're not getting their content on Twitter. I don't go to Twitter to ever follow what companies have to say unless I'm going to roast them. And I imagine many of you are the same way. Who do you want to hear from? People that know things. People that say things that are dumb, that are on the other side, that are important for us to know that they're going on. You need to be aware of what the enemy's position are. I use the enemy in air quotes, lest anyone thinks we're trying to incite violence here. But not only are we trying to figure out what we think and and hash out those talking points, those arguments, those um, those ways of thinking that are that are shared, but we also want to find out what the other side thinks because they're going to be shaping their policies and their policies are censorship and shutdown. And their claim is, is that Elon Musk is endorsing anti-Semitic conspiracy theories because he's, and he's not apologizing for it. God forbid. He's not apologizing for it because one, he didn't say them. And two, uh, they're, they're all in on, they're confused. These media organizations, because many of them are run by Jewish people. They're owned by Jewish people. Hollywood was set up by Jews back when it was. That's not a conspiracy. That's just the nature of the people that are there. That has nothing to do with whether they're religiously Jewish. Many of them are not, but they are ethnically Jewish and they have that heritage. So you have this weird moment right now where the Palestine, you know, Gaza, Hamas situation versus Israel and, you know, sort of it's the Jewish state. They're, they're sort of in conflict. And so nobody knows where they're at. And so of course they're gonna have problems. Here's the thing that I found most interesting about this because Elon Musk has more money than any person has ever had, as far as we could tell, or he's damn near it. And one of the things that he said was that he is willing to exercise power. I had a tweet about this, but first we're going to do a quick video on it. Ryan, the video is number three. Let's run video number three. I think this is the way that he is treating this. And I don't think Elon Musk is even a little bit worried about these sort of things because for him, as he said earlier on, Owning Twitter wasn't about the money. They're going to try to make it profitable, but it wasn't about the money. Let's roll video clip number three. I want you guys to get a little taste of what he says here. This is an older God, interview no. clip. I don't, I don't want it at all, but I'm what I'm trying even came up though in the annual meeting. I mean, you know, do your tweets hurt the company? Are there Tesla owners who say, I don't agree with his political position because and I know it because he shares so much of it. Or are there advertisers on Twitter that Linda Yaccarino will come and say, you got to stop, man. Or, you know, I can't get these ads because of some of the things you tweet.
like to pause. You know, I'm reminded of uh, the, the, the scene in The Princess Bride. Great movie. Great movie. Um, where he confronts the person who killed his father. And he says, Offer me money. Offer me power. I don't care. See, so you just don't care. You want to share what you have to say? I'll say what I want to say, and if, 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 uh, if the consequence of that is losing money, so be it. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why I love that, but the energy that is in that room is so tense. There's a, there's a very, very hard line between what Elon Musk is doing and what everybody else that's in the media that is, has this frenzy. I want you to consider this, and we may even play this quote twice, and I want you to look at something. I always play them first. Sometimes I have thoughts that I want to kind of share off it. Consider this. Everybody talks about the pause. Now, Elon does this all the time. If you ask him a question, he doesn't respond the way that I often do, which is like this. I'm trying to fill that space because my mind has already gone there. But he's much more deliberate than that. And he also probably has some sort of, uh, you know, some sort of social condition, whether he's on the Asperger spectrum or whether he's autistic of some kind. He's highly functional. He's trained himself to overcome a lot of these things. But he takes that pause. And that's on live TV. That's on a live broadcast. And he feels no, he feels no requirement to fill that space. But the other guy, the anchor, the interviewer, the you know, fake journalist that's sitting there absolutely feels a powerful, a powerful draw to fill it up. And I'm going to tell you how you know. Because when he sits there and he waits and he goes and he's looking around and he's thinking and then he says, I'm reminded of a quote from The Princess Bride, another long pause. It's a great movie. And the guy jumps in because he's just aching to get some more audio across that empty airwave. He says, yeah, it's a great movie. He's quick to, to agree with him because he knows that he's just said something stupid and Elon Musk is about to just, you know, excoriate him with it. And he says, you can't make me do anything. Now, let's consider the power of what goes on there. The man is wearing a suit, the interviewer. Elon Musk is in a t-shirt. That's power. He showed up to a national interview on live television wearing a t-shirt and jeans because that's what he wants. And you can't make him wear something else. He leaves open air that people pay thousands of dollars per second to get access to. And he can do it because it's his because he, he doesn't care. Because that's power. He says that he is not going to be concerned about what people who buy Teslas think about his politics because he has power because you can buy the car or not. You know who has that power? Apple has that power over me. I despise a lot of the things that Apple does, but they make the best product for what I do. I have an Apple laptop. I'm not real thrilled about it, but I have really no choice. They make this mouse, which has dramatically changed our show. Just ask Ryan. This is the best mouse for what I do. It's a great you know piece of technology. Does who does Amazon. that? Amazon. You know, Nike tried to pull the products off Amazon in 2020 or 2019. And then obviously Under Armour, Lululemon, all their competition is selling on Amazon. Amazon makes it so much more profitable for your competition that if you're not selling on their platform, your business is going to fail. That's it's your problem. Amazon is. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. And when we're talking about power like that, 
Um, I reminded, I sat in a, uh, I sat in a all hands on deck meeting. If you guys follow my Twitter, you've already read this, but I'll give you kind of the fleshed out version. I sat in an all deck, uh, all hands on deck meeting for the small business salespeople for Dell computers. Uh, Dell is a national brand, obviously. And Michael Dell at the time was one of the biggest names in computers. This is going back 2005, probably 2005, maybe 2006. And we get called into this huge conference room. He comes in there and they give you an opportunity to ask some questions. I asked him kind of a tough question. He shrugged it off, um, much to his chagrin, I think. I asked him what what Apple's job was, sorry, what, what Dell's job was as a major purveyor of the PC platform in defending the PC. This was right during the time, if you guys want to get your heads uh, squared away for the time frame, this is when they were running those things with the kid from Dodgeball saying, you know, I'm a Mac. And then they had kind of the fat looking guy who, who looked kind of like a fat Bill Gates. And he said, I'm a PC. And they would go back and forth about what the value of the products were. And so I said, you know, what what is Dell's job in defending the PC platform in, in light of these Apple you know, advertisements that are kind of directly attacking this platform. And he basically said they got the kind of effeminate kid from dodgeball. So I don't really care. Now, from that time at that time, uh, PCs held 95 percent of the computer market for consumers and for most businesses as well. And at this point, I think it's closer to like a third that Apple has been able to gain. So they they grab 25 percent market share from those from that initial sort of jump off point. Part of it's because they have a great product. But Michael Dell kind of dismissed that. That's that's neither here nor there. He dismissed whether or not that was going to be relevant. So that was not powerful. I think that was actually foolish. But what did happen was someone said, how come you never wear a tie? And if you've ever seen Michael Dell, uh, a billionaire, he goes out and talks still. He's not around all the time. And he always wears like a polo shirt. He doesn't wear if he even if he wears a sport coat, he doesn't wear a tie. And so someone said, how come how come you never wear a tie? Like you're the CEO, you're the founder of this big company, you're worth all this money. Why don't you wear a tie? It's the same reason that Elon Musk doesn't, by the way. And he said, I've never understood the purpose of a tie. I don't know what it's for. I don't like ties. I don't want to use it as a napkin to like, you know, blot my face when I'm eating. I don't know why I would hang a piece of cloth around my neck. What does that signify other than I'm dressing up and I'm putting on this useless thing? It's an ornament and I don't want it. I'm paraphrasing some of the things he said, but essentially that was his, his point. And he said, I don't have to wear a tie. I used to have to wear a tie to get deals and things like that. And now I don't because he has power. He said, people wear ties to come see me. And that's a power. And so there's something about money, but it's also about not caring. When you realize that you have a certain amount of power that you don't have to cave to anybody else, then that's a power. And many of you are realizing that. You're realizing that whether or not you're censored is not going to change your life. Whether or not you lose a social media account, it's not going to change your life. It might take some of your, your resources away. It might be like Ryan. Ryan lost a, a big social media account on, uh, on YouTube, and it took away a significant amount of money. But it didn't end his life. It's just you either say what you believe is true, and you own it, and you move forward with it, or... You accept that they have power over you. And that's the real scary thing is that they are trying to do that. That's what CNN is talking about. That's what they're upset about. That's what this whole article was, is they are trying to extend power over Elon Musk because Elon Musk is sort of saying, I have the power to do whatever I want. I'm going to do whatever I want. And by the way, you can pretty much do anything you want there, too. Is there some censorship on Twitter? Maybe. Are there some algorithms that still need to be sorted out? I'm sure there are. And some of us figure that out. But what I also find is that sometimes certain things get more traction simply because they're better they're better connecting to the people that you're sending it to. So sometimes we'd like to blame an algorithm and we'd like to blame what's going on behind the scenes, like we're getting cheated out of some sort of visibility or whatever else for our message. But how oftentimes is it that, uh, how often is it that it's just on us, that it's in the marketplace of ideas and given a free marketplace of ideas, some things are going to rise to the top and some will not. 
There's a reason why Tucker Carlson is the best and why nobody cares what Oliver Darcy thinks. Just statistically. They're, they're scared. They're weak. They don't have power. And the more power, seeing how Fox News canceled people like Tucker and my buddy Dan Bongino, pulled them off. What did it do? It gave Dan one of the biggest live streams in the world every day. And it gave him probably more financial independence. And it probably gave him um, the ability to say anything he wants. He has some unfiltered shows that are really unfiltered now. Now he's taken away the Fox part of it. And I told him at the time, I don't know if you guys, I don't know if I ever said this to anybody, but uh, I, I sent him a message when he got removed from Fox. And I said, this is going to end up being the best thing for you. You didn't know it, but they were holding you back. And I said something to that effect to him. And I know that probably didn't feel very good at the moment, but a couple days later, he was vindicated because God oftentimes in this moment right now, we're seeing things even in a speed of like social media and the media platform. It's happening so fast. People are actually getting validated and vindicated in real time. And Dan was this and, and, and so is Tucker. So much there. So much about it is about this power. Uh, speaking about power, you might run out of power. You may not have electrical power in the near future if the grid goes down. If these idiots that are running our country decide to crash it, there's some things you may want to do. You may want to check out 4patriots.com slash Kyle. Get yourself prepped. What kind of preparation should you do? Food, electrical, water. Those are your big things. Uh, electrical is more about comfort, but sometimes it could be a survival situation. Your food is going to be something you're going to need within a couple days. You can go a couple days without it, but I'll tell you what, you're not going to be cool to be around. You're going to be like Steve Friend on day three with only two almonds. Kind of a grump. You're going to want to make sure you get yourself some food stashed away. Ryan knows what I'm talking about. So get, yourself some, uh, get yourself something prepped in case something bad happens, in case we run out of power in this country, in case the morons that are trying to crash our car end up doing so. So 4patriots.com slash Kyle. That'll get you the deals that we have set up here with 4patriots as a company. And then if you want to check into some of their other things, they've got all kinds of nifty gadgets and tools. Look, a lot of these things are going to be comfort and they are going to be creature comfort type orientations. They are not going to be truly survival oriented. You need calories. You need warmth. You can get this. You can actually be cold and still eat and you'll actually survive through most things. And you need water. So they've got water purification as well. Check in all those things. We actually just bought a water purifier it's sitting on my counter right now. Um, being able to cook your food is great, but you can eat them cold. Calories can come in. Even those bars will get you going for days. So make a make a plan. Don't uh, plan to fail. You know, get yourself prepared for whatever may come your way, which could be anything. It turns out. We're in a pretty wild time. Things are volatile and they are versatile and they are happening very quickly. It's fourpatriots.com slash Kyle. Check those folks out. Um, let's let's talk about the censorship even a little further because our government, which is Steve taking your money, what are they paying for with that money? Let's bring up this article. This goes back to March. Um, this is going to be topic number three. This is a NewsGuard article. Now, this was written by a woman named Margot Cleveland, who has a personal relationship with Steve Friend, was one of his instructors uh, in, in school. And it's an interesting piece. Because this came right on the heels of Schellenberg, Schellenberger rather, and uh, and Matt Taibbi testifying in front of Congress about censorship. And one of the items, or one of the one of the institutions that they were dealing with, was this group called NewsGuard. And if you've never heard of NewsGuard, I'm going to give you kind of a primer on it. Uh, it's it's essentially a supposedly nonprofit group. It's supposedly apolitical that's trying to do something. It's obviously left wing and it's government funded. And how do we know that? Because of some of the work that Margot Cleveland has been sort of keeping under wraps. I'm going to read directly from the article here. It says the media rantings ratings giant NewsGuard denied that it was quote unquote government funded after being called out as part of the vast censorship complex during congressional hearings last week. Again, Taibbi and Schellenberger. But government records and the company's own public announcement celebrating a nearly $750,000 federal grant suggest otherwise. Hmm. It's almost like they're lying to you. It says, quote, on Thursday, independent journalist Matt Taibbi 
Michael Schellenberger appeared in front of the House subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government to testify that they had uh, discovered during a review of internal Twitter communications. They were talking about the so-called Twitter files and halfway through this thread in the a censorship industrial complex, which I would call the information industrial complex. I think it's bigger than censorship because they actually want to control information, not just censor some. They actually want to feed you others. Right. That's all part of it. It says uh, this is the Ta- Taibi talking here. He said some NGOs like the GE GEC funded Global Disinformation Index or the DOD funded NewsGuard not only see content moderation, but apply subjective risk or reliability scores to these media outlets, which can result in a reduction in revenue. So they're costing people money by trying to pick winners and losers in this information game. Now, of course, NewsGuard pushed back and said, no, they're not government funded. They tried to go, you know, try and shut this thing down. Um, Matt Gates, great follow-up question. Who is NewsGuard? He's asking, trying to trying to figure out what this group is that's being referenced because most Americans don't know. And Schellenberger said, both the, the Global Disinformation Index and NewsGuard are U.S. government-funded entities who are working to drive advertising revenue away from disfavored publications and towards the ones they favor. It's totally inappropriate. The government is explicitly forbidden from being involved in First Amendment protected activities. Um, I'm going to pull up the First Amendment right now. I'm thinking about it as we speak, and I'm going to read to you the actual words again. We always should just go right to the text. Why would we not? We should talk about what the words say. And when it says that Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people to peaceably assemble. So there should be nothing that abridges free speech. If the government is actually paying for NewsGuard, when the government is paying for NewsGuard to censor people, I would argue to you that that is a violation of abridging the freedom of speech. It makes perfect sense. If a private company wants to do it, if Elon Musk wants to do it on his platform, we sort of, as as members of a conservative and libertarian-leaning sort of faction, people who want to see the Constitution carried out, we would say, okay, fair play. He bought it. He can do what he wants with it. He can charge you eight bucks if you want validation and so on and so forth. But can the government really weigh in on it? And the answer is, of course they did. And they didn't contest the $750,000 award, which is a lot of money in this. It probably pays a number of people's salaries. Now, there's a second article followed up that just came out this week, because this is where it gets really spicy for me. What's really strange to me is (laughs) NewsGuard is selling this government-funded censorship tool to private companies. What in the actual hell does that mean? Again, Margot Cleveland reporting on this. It says the money that they got from the Defense Department helped test technologies. And then it seems like they're turning around and trying to sell this to other entities. So the for-profit censorship giant, I guess I was thinking that they were non-profit. That was my original belief. That's why they were getting government grants, but they're not. They're actually a for-profit enterprise. They're selling what they call misinformation fingerprints technology to private companies in order to silence American speech. Once again, this is government theft in taxation going directly into a private entity that makes money out of it and choosing winners and losers in the free speech arena in violation of the First Amendment. That's what this should look like. The government should should, should have no say in it. They're supposed to remain agnostic. I think I actually heard Tucker Carlson say that when he interviewed me about the radical traditionalist Catholic documents. The government has to remain agnostic about things like religion, about things like which um, political ideas are best. The government has to stay out of it as an entity, and yet they're weighing in on it in this case. So NewsGuard's making headlines for trying to take down Elon Musk X, as we just mentioned. The bigger story is that the federal government is actually funding this censorship industrial complex, the information industrial complex. 
and they launched a Thanksgiving day or a Thanksgiving week attack on the social media company, formerly known as Twitter. I don't know how else to call it. Like X is just such a weird thing to call it. Claiming that there were 200 ads from prominent advertisers that appeared on feeds, spreading lies about the Israel-Hamas war. Once again, that was covered down. So not only are we hearing about it from CNN, but this news guard is the one that's actually pushing it. And then CNN picks up the call. Elon Musk returned fire, calling them a propaganda shop, which they are. And saying that it, quote, uses reports to pressure companies to buy their fact-checking services. And that's what it's always about. But when the federal government, when the federal government is involved in funding the tools through DOD grants, that seems like a real problem. Now, the U.S. government has always been involved in propaganda work. Honestly, if you think about this, it goes back as far as we can imagine in, in modern war. There is a concept called fifth generation warfare, 5GW. And when you have that, it means that you are trying to sway people's ideas. And you do throw so by moving local media. And, you know, there was a whole thing called Voice of America that some of you may know. It's full of spies and weirdos. And uh, I actually investigated people at Voice of America in, in uh, Washington, D.C. But there's there's a propaganda arm. As long as it's facing outside of the United States, we don't actually guarantee those people the American protections of the Constitution. We don't. We don't guarantee the world constitutional protections. But you are supposed to see it for Americans. You're not supposed to have Americans getting their own tax dollars turned against them to censor their own opinions. And that should be a real problem for many of us. I don't know if we can just stop paying taxes for a little while. I haven't paid taxes this year yet. I'm going to have to pay them at the end of the year. It'll be kind of fun for me to see how that works out. I'm sure I'm going to cut a really ugly check that's going to make me very uncomfortable because I don't think that I've gotten a whole lot out of the federal government. And I worked for the federal government. I know for a fact that if you shut down almost all of it, none of us would experience anything different. I'm totally happy to pay my state taxes, it turns out. For now. For now. <laughs> we'll work that one down too. But the federal government is obviously bloated. And where does so much of this money go? It goes to the federal government inefficiently into some bureaucratic process. Then it gets put back into the state governments to be used by another inefficient bureaucracy, which hands it down to our local governments, which is where it should have gone in the first place. Isn't that something? We find the least efficient way to do it. That is why Ronald Reagan said those nine most terrifying words is that I'm from the government and we're here to help. It's not someone who's going to help you. They're here to help themselves to your money. That's what it turns out to be. Um, let's do something. Talk about someone who's looking to help themselves. If you guys got one of these Patriot Cooler deals, the discount, the 20% off during uh, Cyber Monday, give me a thumbs up in the chat. I'd like to see if anybody went and took advantage of that 20% off. Let's say thanks to our friends, PatriotCoolers.com. PatriotCoolers with an S on the end.com. There they are. They're our OG sponsor, and they're a company that I've been using since 2017 when I was working on surveillance, when I was just a government employee taking your tax dollars and turning it into eyeballs on bad guys. And I was using a number of their things, but most specifically, I carried a tumbler around to like 20 different states as I was running around on duty as a federal agent. Check out their, their hard-sided stuff. These are my favorite. I've got one of these sitting in my minivan at all times. I have the 50-quart rotomolded in tan because they didn't have gray. Uh, it's actually a pretty pretty close fit. If you look at the difference between the colors, it's not very high. It actually fits very nicely in the back of my gray interior minivan. Nobody can see it. Could you use it to lock up a small rifle? You could. Is it lockable? It is. Yeah. You could uh, tether that thing back down, tie it to a hard point. Or you could be one of these people that wants to have a aquamarine a Tiffany Blue, Robin's Egg, whatever you want to call that. Fantastic products, fantastic people. Says Patriot right on the front of them. We've got one sitting on the desk right now, working through the 16 ounce of coffee, round number two. I'm trying to keep it under control here and do less, less coffee. I don't know why people, Babs in the chat just said she uh, she laughs that I have a minivan. I used to have a minivan. I asked for a minivan when I worked for the government. I actually said, what is a vehicle that nobody will fight me for? Give me a Dodge Caravan with 100,000 miles on it. 
And so I got one. That's what I got. And I called it the uh, the minivan of justice, the VOJ, the van of justice. <laughs> it's fantastic. It is the most low visibility vehicle you've ever seen. And if you ever want to hear um, a story from a cop, if we could ever find this guy, he was a Virginia state trooper. He got behind me as I was driving into the 2020 riots that were going on uh, in the middle of the summer of 2020. We were going in in front of the White House. I think it was in June. And I'm driving like 85 miles an hour on I-95, heading northbound on a 395 or whatever it was called, going into the district, going to work with no plates on my minivan. I had no idea that I'd pulled the, the plates off already. I'd forgotten that I did it the night before. And I get the state trooper behind me and he lights me up with his with his uh, cherries and berries, whatever he's trying to pull me over. And I just refused to pull over. I just wasn't going to pull over because I was busy and I'm wearing like tactical armor and stuff like that. So I keep driving. This guy gets up in front of me. And then he gets behind me and he's like, got his lights and I'm not pulling over. And he looks over at me and I look over at him. I give him like the whatever, bro, I'm still driving here. And it probably confused him to no end because I turned on my lights in my minivan too. And that is the weirdest thing. If you've ever been pulled over by a minivan, it was probably a federal surveillance team like my guys and I used to run. Very, very strange for people to see that. Someone just said a uh, a caravan can't do 85 miles an hour. Whatever 007 you are, incorrect. The Dodge Caravan can run 85 miles an hour, no problem. And it goes zero to 60 in an impressive rate when you have it... Uh, set up to be able to catch up with bad guys. I used to do all the time. I would do wild things in minivans that would blow your mind because nobody knows they're coming. The minivan, it's the ultimate stealth vehicle. Just saying. Folks, if you're just watching this right now, make sure you've hit the like button on Rumble. If you're watching us somewhere else, you should come join us on Rumble because we've already stopped streaming to YouTube because they suck. We hate YouTube. We're not doing it anymore. I don't want anything. I don't want anything to do with YouTube. I don't like the fact that they demonetize every single video. By the way, when we showed that alligator getting bit the other day, folks, we had that video of the alligator. Uh, it was uh, Steve Friend was trying to talk to the alligator while he was on a jog, but he was hypoxic, and then the alligator bit him. And there was that song that I told you I really liked. It was like, da 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 Whatever that was got us demonetized on YouTube. They said, you can't monetize a video because you have a nine-second clip of some song that no one's ever heard of that we were promoting and said was great. That's why I don't like YouTube. That's why we're not going to be doing it anymore. So that's why we're off the YouTube. I'm sorry that that is the, the case, but it is not happening again. We're not going to come how did back. That, what do you got? How did that song go again? I don't know the words. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I just know the I just know the bass drop there. I was like, but I'd rather be with you. I think it was called I'd Rather Be With You. I got an email about it from YouTube saying what it was. And they were like, hey, uh, you don't have any money because we paid nine cents. We don't get paid by YouTube anyway. We weren't getting any YouTube money. Uh, unlike Ryan's situation. We, we realized it in advance. It was a blessing in disguise, I think. Wouldn't you say, Ryan? Agreed. Agreed, not my friend. Agreed. Yeah, no investment in that platform that doesn't love us. We don't want it. Sorry, I had to yeah. do it. I love it though. Yeah, I'd rather be with you. <laughs> I, I, I want that song. I want. If somebody knows, yeah, I'll have to look it up because I know it's in my YouTube uh, email. Shazam. If I can figure out, yeah, I know we could Shazam it. But what I want to do is I want. They actually told us what the name was because they they demonetized us in favor of them. I want that. Oh uh, I want God. that artist to do our theme song. Cause it's so, it's so chill. It reminds me of like a Snoop Dogg kind of vibe, like driving through Los Angeles, Southern California kind of a thing. It's so good. Anyway, uh, what the heck are we talking about? We're talking about the federal government getting involved in your business. Now, how about propaganda that is favorable to the Biden administration? Cause that's the other piece they want to push out there. They actually want to push their message. They want to censor the messages they don't like. They don't like Elon Musk having power over, uh, over them and the ability to share things and giving power to you to be able to share what you want. Right. They want to push a false message that's absurd. And so we we found this on the uh, the homepage today. This was actually updated at 6.30 this morning. It's an article from CNN. 
It says a viral $16 McDonald's meal won't go away. And that's a problem for Democrats. Well, first of all, that's an advocacy position. This is quote unquote analysis by Allison Morrow. So it's an analysis piece. This is not um, this is not her giving her opinion, even though her opinion is deep into it. It's really fun to um, we started reading this and I started laughing as I was sharing it with Ryan. So sticker shock. Uh, it's old as commerce itself. It no longer is just irksome, unexpectedly high bills in the era of social media. Overpaying for dinner is an invitation for anyone and everyone to publicly shake their fist over the health of the global economy. Take the $16 McDonald's meal that has struck a nerve on TikTok late last year. You can tell how analytical this piece is, how journalistic it is. It's like an emotional appeal from from a millennial TikTok chick. She could have just been saying this on TikTok the way I just did. If you missed it, here's the gist. There's a guy in Idaho who paid $16.10 for a burger, a large fries, and a drink. Quote, I get that there's a labor shortage. I get there's wage increases and a number of other things he says in the video. But $16, this is just crazy. First of all, you're eating at McDonald's, bro. That's the crazy part. You're eating at McDonald's. Why are you doing that? What are you, Donald Trump? You're going to go and go to McDonald's and pay $16. So he did. So they go through and they talk about, it. oh, but but of course, fast food, uh, fast food prices are not nearly as problematic as they say. Fast food prices have gone up along with everything else in the past two years. <laughs> they have to say it. They can't get away from it. Of course, everything's gotten more expensive, but not by as much as the TikTok video suggests. A burger in the video isn't a standard McDonald's menu item. You see, it's not a regular McDonald's menu item. So this is, we're going to get to that in one second here. It was a one-off, smoky, double quarter pounder with bacon and cheese, a kind of limited offering that fast food restaurants roll out in order to gin up sales in a business that runs on razor, razor thin margins. Because the average Big Mac price in America is actually $5.58 this summer, according to The Economist. And that's up 75 cents. That's only 13% since January of 2020. You guys feel like we're only up 13%? Because I don't. <laughs> I've seen what our grocery bills look like. I know what I get out of a out of a cart at Costco, and it's sure as hell not the same. I've watched my bacon price doubled under O'Biden. That's pretty fun, and I like bacon. I mean, there's no human limit to how much bacon we can consume. Because the vast majority of McDonald's restaurants are independently owned, the prices can vary from region to region. Here's my favorite part. For example, in the wealthy town of Darien, Connecticut, a Big Mac combo menu, meal, can set you back about $18. So listen, it wasn't like a normal thing that it would cost you $16 for this one-off smoky bacon thing. But depending on where you are, it might be $18 if you live in a ritzy area. There's actually a video clip about this. What about um, the video? Uh, could you tell me something about, don't they do this in Europe too, Ryan? Isn't there something about Europe, European burgers? Can you play that for me? I feel I like there's so, a, man. I think we've- Funny, funny uh, response not it. about abortion. Not it, that's not it. <laughs> abortion is not, it's not it. <laughs> Play me my man. They're having a conversation in the car. They're discussing the hamburgers. I know you can do this. We got some hamburger discussion. Where is it? Oh, I must not have got that one. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I got it. Uh, Killing me. slow on the take today. It's Tuesday. Here mm -hmm. you go. Send it. Hold on. Give me one second. I got to figure out where we put that video at. It wasn't in my lineup. <laughs> it wasn't in my lineup, man. I didn't just God. send it because I thought it was funny. I mean, I did send it because I thought it was funny. That's why we sent it over there. All wow, right. There's a name. Man. There's a name for this sort of thing. It's been discussed for a long time. For those of you who are fans of movies going back into my, uh, let's say, adolescence. I think this is an adolescent movie. This wasn't childhood. Um, two famous actors having a very important discussion about how things are not always the same depending on where you are. Sometimes you could be in Europe and things might be just a little bit different. They might have a, just a slightly different name, but it's the same thing. They don't talk about pricing, but I think you guys get the gist of it. We got this video for us? Yeah, coming up right now, Mr. Seraphim. Coming Three, up right now. Two. One. One. It's just, it's just there. It's a little different. Example. 
All right, well, you can walk into a movie theater in Amsterdam and buy a beer. And I don't mean just like a little paper cup. I'm talking about a glass of beer. And in Paris, you can buy a beer in McDonald's. And you know what they call a, a, a quarter pounder with cheese uh, in Paris? They don't call it a quarter pounder with cheese? Oh, man, they got the metric system. They wouldn't know what the fuck a quarter pounder is. And what do they call it? They call it a Royale with cheese. Royale with cheese. That's right. What do they call a Big Mac? Big Mac's a Big Mac, but they call it Le Big Mac. Le Big Mac. <laughs> what do they call a Whopper? I don't know. I didn't go on a Burger King. The man's got standards. He didn't go into Burger King, man. He just went to McDonald's. All I'm saying is, is that Le Big Mac combo could set you back $18 in Connecticut right now. Fast food, not that important. Who just said that in the chat? Because that was a that was a uh, an accurate statement. Uh, uh, Ped, Ped Weirdo, $18 plus four milkshakes is $100 for a family of four to go have a, a, a combo meal. $100. But here's the thing. They have to push their narrative, right? They have to push that. That's what the power is about. Can they say the thing that they want and make you believe it? And if you're on the political left and you like to get spoon fed garbage and you don't think critically, I don't like the term do your own research. I just want you to do your own thinking. Did the thing that they said make sense? Was it possible that the counter on CNN or Fox or MSNBC or CBS that showed the number of people that had died from COVID in real time? Was that even possibly real? Or was that just a number that just went like the national debt clock? There's just no way that it was real. I don't want you to do research on it. I just want you to think, is there a way that they could have gotten that information when we don't even know the number of deaths from last year? We don't. We don't have that data. It's not available to us. And they were somehow showing it in accurate real time, allegedly, on these fake news programs. So that's the real thing. So in the meantime, that's why you get guys like Joe Biden, a perennial liar who doesn't say things that are true, doing video number five. Throw video number five up there for me, if you would, because this is the claim that he made. If you guys missed this, this is pretty amazing. It's an amazing statement that he is going to try to sell on you. Everything is cheaper. It's just your imagination. Don't do any thinking, please. Well, this past week, as Americans gathered around their own kitchen tables for Thanksgiving dinner, that was our goal, <clears throat> to give them a little more breathing room. And together, we made progress. You know, uh, from Turkey to air travel to tank of gas, Costs went down. They went down. What? <laughs> then, then you had the Republican. Uh, I actually have to pull up their Twitter account because they actually had a, a response for their for their actual numbers on here. The the statement is is essentially that airfare has gone up by twenty one percent since Biden took office. Thanksgiving dinner has gone up by roughly twenty five percent, and gas prices are eighty six cents a gallon higher than the day that he took office. So there you go. That's false. It's objectively false. The things he said are not true. But he doesn't want you to think and they want to be able to hammer that home and they want to be able to censor. They want to be able to take away that power of you to say things that are true. Just be like, no, bro, that's 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 inaccurate. What you said is not true. They don't want that. That's what censorship is about. It's about stopping certain information from getting from you and keeping you from putting out a conflicting message to the, the dirty narrative that uh, an $18 Big Mac combo meal in anywhere in this country makes any bit of sense. I don't remember what the prices were when I was a kid, but I remember for like under $5, you could get every value meal for the whole thing. That was the drink and the fries. And it was probably like four or three fifty. I feel like there were, there were those. And now you're just like scraping to get it. Not, not that you should be going out there and eating fast food on a regular basis. There's way better ways to feed yourself. But my wife and I constantly laugh when we drive through a drive through with our kids and there's, you know, in and out, which I think is like actually premium quality food. I'm going to, I'm going to make that argument. I'll die on that hill. Fast food is real food. If you go to In-N-Out or if you go to some of the local joints that we have here, there's a place called Torchy's Tacos, which is outstanding. And Garrett O'Boyle has like a 
he has like a long-term logging for from Wisconsin because they don't have good tacos up in Wisconsin, apparently. But when you go there and you go and take your kids to fast food and I've got little kids and they eat little kids meals and you're spending 40, 50 bucks. I mean, that used to be a nice meal for two grown adults. That was a nice meal when I was a kid. The prices have obviously gone up with inflation over a long period of time, whether it be under George Bush or under Clinton or whether under Obama and so on. I'm just saying, though, there's been a pretty dramatic increase in the last couple of years. And to try to ignore that would only happen if you try to own the mechanisms of government or use government to sway people's opinion, which is truly bizarre. Um, speaking of costs going up and going down and trying to save you deals, uh, I'm wearing a one off shirt that Garrett sent me. And we've got a promo code on his website, which we'll pull up here, the-suspendables.com. You guys can check. I don't know if you can get this. If you guys want the night ops stuff that I keep wearing, it's black on black. It's actually my new favorite. Uh, it shows up kind of cool on camera. It's kind of like low visibility, but that's kind of my jam. I don't really wear logoed t-shirts. I don't really wear logoed anything. So the idea that it'd be black on black and it's kind of like, you can only see it if you know who I am. You only you only know to look for it if you know to look for it. I'm kind of okay with that. If you guys are into this shirt, if you want to wear a shirt like this, you have to tell Garrett, throw it in the chat up here. We'll get a bunch of, put like a number one if you want it, number two if you don't care. Um, that is his uh, his last line Substack shirt, the-suspendables.com. And then just use my promo code. That will legitimately save you 10%. That's an actual number, 10%. We're not making that number up. It's across the board. And uh, this is the O'Boyle Family Sweatshop Steel. If you guys want to get into the pins, by the way, they're still there. You can still add three for 30. And check it out. I got a pin sitting here. So you can see me in the corner of the screen here. I'm holding one of these uh, the suspendables pins. This is the size of the lapel pin. It's actually pretty good size. It's like the size of a maybe a, a little bit bigger than a quarter. And these are the new patches that he just threw up there. And some of you guys will want this. If you guys have a plate carrier and you want to put a suspendables on there, if you're like my buddy George Hill, who sent me a message yesterday saying that he was out marching around wearing his plate carrier and pro tip is never wear a plate carrier if you're not carrying a weapon system as well, because someone might try to steal your plate carrier. It's a good way to get a weird look from the cops. Scroll down one more if you would. Uh, will you go back one, Ryan? Gotcha. If you scroll down one more, you can see the patches. Throw those up on there. I got a couple of them on mine. This is, this is a good looking set of patches, folks. And the neat Those thing on sweet. these too for me, it's the uh, it's the details. If you get close enough here, can we get them to the point where you can see them? Sort of the detail. Throw me, throw me big screen. There you go. You can see how zoomed in. Even the feathers are all carved out. Really nice stuff. Uh, check out the-suspendables.com. Use promo code Kyle. You get 10% off. Keep supporting my buddy Garrett over there. One of the suspendables. Support the suspendables in general with the merch. Because when people know when they ask you questions, hey, what's that all about? You can tell them about the Kyle Serafin Show. Which you can give us a like right now if you're watching on Rumble. We should do that. How are we doing for likes today, Ryan? Are we doing okay? Doing really good, man. We just made it to number 15 on the live stream leaderboard. And we're like number 8 on podcast. So a few more likes, we'll be at number 1. All right, folks, keep uh, keep punching it out there. And if you guys will share these episodes, we appreciate it. I'm going to do a recap right now. We had a really important show yesterday, I think. The things that we were showing, like I said, it's one thing to believe it. It's another thing to see it with your own eyes. What I want to do is if you'll bring up the article that I wrote, which was uh, topic number six on there, that's the Uncovered DC. Folks, go go check out Uncovered DC and the article we wrote entitled About Quiet Skies on Tracy Bean's website. She's a friend of ours. She does the Dark Delight podcast. She's a good person. She's been good to me. She's been very... She's been very favorable as, as far as receiving things. I sent her this um, the night before last, and she got it out yesterday morning. If that tells you fast turnaround time, you, you know, I don't work for her. I just sent her a piece and said, would you publish this? There's no money involved. I just want the stories out. And being having having this sort of an outlet to go do it. We're going to go on a couple of radio programs and talk about it. I'll be doing it in D.C. today on Vince Colonnese's radio show. So if you happen to be in the D.C. area, turn on Vince's show. But here it is. Newly discovered letter by uh, Representative Thompson, potential cause of the TSA placing innocent Americans on a terror watch list. That's what Quiet Skies is. So we're talking about 
the the big story here, I'm going to break break it out to you and you'll have to read the article because it's full of hyperlinks. I spent a lot of time on this documenting the facts are I wrote it like I was writing evidence for you. OK, so if you want this story, it's different than many things you'll read that are just like kind of hit pieces and it's just covering the headline. What I want to do is analysis. Number one, I believe that Benny Thompson in a in a very veiled way told the TSA administrator, the top person over at TSA to do one thing. And that thing was to stop the free movement of American citizens in violation of the First Amendment. That's my contention. Benny Thompson violates the Fifth Amendment and uh, their due process by going and telling an administrator, David Pekoski, stop allowing these people to travel freely. And he goes on to include that he believes that they are white supremacists and domestic terrorists, even though many of these people were unconvicted and a lot of them were uncharged. That's what the Quad S, the uh, the Quiet Skies program is. It is a it is a a burden on your ability to freely travel, which has been established under multiple constitutional um, court cases and, and Supreme Court law. Uh, but the most relevant one I found was one that was called Ward versus Maryland. It goes back to 1870. This is not a new concept. The federal government cannot get involved in this the stopping of free movement between the states. That's what it says. Okay. And Benny Thompson, who ended up being the guy who was given the the chairmanship of that unselect committee on January 6th, this very partisan investigation, which was nominally a bipartisan, but it was only in, in bipartisan in name only. They had people like Liz Cheney on there, right? And Adam Kinzinger, what they did was they did a big cover up. So he started off with a belief that on January 11th, when he wrote this letter, that they were white supremacists, they were domestic terrorists, and they needed to be stopped, even though it was there was no judicial process in place. They used an administrative agency, the TSA, to stop this using the authorities that they abused under the Fifth Amendment, I believe. And then they move forward. And the result was Benny Thompson was then put in charge of the investigation into J6, which came up with a predictable predetermined outcome and the end result was something that we talked about with Sonia and if you'll move on to the next one this is uh topic seven Ryan the TSA officers actually got a raise and this is the really telling point for me in this I'm just drawing the dots for you you guys connect them if they make sense to you TSA officers celebrate the first paycheck with a 31 percent raise the largest in the TSA's history since the creation of the TSAs two decades ago, officers have been the lowest paid federal employees in the nation. Not anymore. First of all, they're the lowest paid in the nation because they are the least qualified of anything. You don't even like you need like a high school diploma to do this. It's an hourly job with no particular skill set. And the reason why they're the worst and they are the most incapable is because we know that they have a 95 percent failure rate of doing the flipping job that they're paid to do, which we're going to cover in just one second. But this particular article says on July 27th, the AFGE, that is the um, that is the workers group that that uh, advocates on their behalf. Representative Benny Thompson, who we just mentioned, and the Department of Homeland Security held a joint press conference at let's tie it all together. Ronald Reagan International Airport. See how this all goes together? This is God working with a little plan before we even knew it. They held a joint press conference to say that today is a turning point for the TSA, for the workers, for the administration, for America. Today's paycheck is more than a monetary incentive. It's a symbol of respect. It's a symbol of dignity as they dis take away respect and dignity from those unconvicted January 6th accusees. It's made up. The quiet skies. And the other thing that we know, which is the wildest part, is I talked to a guy named Brandon Straka. Many of you guys know him. He founded the Walk Away Movement, which is taking people uh, away from the Democrat Party. The wildest thing is this. He experienced the quad S uh, sort of pat downs and uh, enhanced security and all those screenings. He experienced them until he pled guilty and he served his sentence and he got out. 
So why in the world would it be that people that have actually pled guilty and are quote unquote guilty that have been quote unquote convicted or they've actually faced the justice are now no longer held accountable under this system? They are the ones that are let free because the punishment is part of the process. The process is the punishment. That's what that process is. If they can't get it in the courts, they're going to get it administratively. And that is what tyranny looks like. It's arbitrary and capricious abuse of power, whether they're censoring speech or whether they're going and keeping you from going on a plane and making you buy a new ticket or miss your son's graduation or whatever it is in the world that you are trying to fly to do a business meeting, a job interview, see your family member before they die. All these things are being taken away. And they're being done without due process. That was the point. And the, and the obvious point is there's no reason for you to give these people a raise when they suck at what they do. Ryan, will you bring up that last article from ABC? This is not even news. This goes back to 2015. This is pre-Trump. This is Obama era. And this is when they stopped putting these things out there. Mock explosives, weapons are smuggled through checkpoints. Investigation revealed they failed 67 of the 70 red team tests that were going on with TSA. Those numbers have not gotten any better. That's why they don't publish them anymore. An undercover agent was stopped for setting off alarm with a magnetometer, but the TSA screeners failed to detect a fake explosive device, which was taped on his back during a follow-up pat-down. That means a red team was able to get a bomb taped to a guy's spine through. That's incredible stuff. That's why they don't deserve it. And yet, they did the bidding of their political master, Benny Thompson, and that's the argument, that's the belief that we have, that they went on and did this quad S program. That should be a truly, truly upsetting thing to you because the raise came from not performance, but simply for the quid pro quo of punishing J sixers for the awful thing of exercising their first amendment beliefs. Most of whom were not violent offenders. People like Brandon Straka just said things you're allowed to do that in this country. It turns out, or at least you used to be, um, that's where it's at folks. That's where we're at for the day. I don't think we missed anything. Let's leave it on kind of a light note. We had this video, uh, Ryan sort of teased it out there. There's this ongoing sort of viral video. This guy got in trouble, uh, allegedly. There's a bunch of these like no humor leftists that want to censor people's speech and their thoughts and their comedy. So here's his fun argument. And I'm going to set it up before you go into it. The argument is this. If you're going to abort black babies who are overwhelmingly the victims of abortion, and I said the word victim intentionally, they're the victims of abortion in this country. If you're going to just kill them, wouldn't it be better to let them be born and sell them to people? And that's this guy making a comedic argument. It's um, it's the, co- the the argument style is called like reduction to absurdity. So he's redu- he's reducing this to an absurd proposition that we should just sell the black babies that you were otherwise going to kill. By the way, Planned Parenthood sells their body parts anyway. But wouldn't it be better if they're born, sold into slavery? This is the kind of the argument he's making in a tongue in cheek way, a silly way to show how absurd it is that being enslaved is actually better than being murdered before you're born. That's his comment. And he got a lot of heat for this, but let him make his own argument, set it out here. Um, This guy is not arguing that he's trying to sell people into slavery. He's showing you how ridiculous the idea is defending the death of babies. Go ahead and run that last video clip, which should be video number four. Funny, funny uh, response about abortion. When people are like, I'm like, yeah, I'm against abortion. And they're like, well, I mean, so what are all these black women supposed to do with their babies? And just be like, I'd buy them, you know, like. I'll put them to work. Is it better to kill them to let than let me buy them? Right? And that's a really funny debate when people just spiral. Oh, slavery's so bad. It's so bad. We got to kill them all. Uh, why is it if like a black woman's going to have an abortion, why not just let me buy it? Right? Free labor for life. Yeah, we call it a rapper's dozen. 
Because I'd, I'd really like to see the argument that killing someone is more moral than just buying them. Okay. There it is. Okay, the guy's name is Owen Benjamin. If you go to his Twitter profile, which is where this video was going viral all over, he puts this stuff out. His literally, his literal, his literal uh, self-description is that he is a comedian slash farmer. And that's it. And he has a silly video called Noble Savage up as his pinned tweet. He's a comedian. He was a stand-up. That's what he did. He did comedy. So to take somebody like that on face value, it just shows, once again, that they are not genuine in their attacks. They're not genuine in the way that they look at these things. And they're obviously not trying to actually decide whether or not it's a good idea to have abortion. They're going to just, like, scream racism and claw their faces and sit to the sky and do like that those people did at the Trump inauguration, where they just shriek and, and, and wail. The, the grinding of teeth and the gnashing. That's what's going on here. But end of the day, the guy is a comedian. That's what he does. Like I said, if you want to check him out, it's at Owen Benjamin, W uh, O W E N. And then the common spelling of Benjamin. And uh, he claims that he's from uh, Berteria, wherever the he's just, I mean, he's like his whole thing is full of, it's full of satire and goofiness. That is not a, a, a real prescription that he's making. He's simply pointing out the absurdity of killing off a bunch of children. Like that's better. He also said that Patrick uh, Henry, famous for saying, give me liberty or give me death, would have absolutely rather, rather be sold as a slave than be killed, that he was lying to. And I think that's a funny position to take as well. Most people will do almost anything, think about what happened during the COVID tyranny, to avoid losing their own life and even losing their own comfort. Just, just take a deep breath and think about how many people that will really put their life on the line. Some of you know some of them. Some of you have met some of them. Some of you have friends who did put their lives on the line and no longer are with us because of it. They are, they are a very few, a very scant few. And that's why we reward it with medals and statements of valor and heroism, things like that. So it's worth noting, continue to mock these people. They're fools. They don't have strong positions and they don't want to hear anybody arguing against them with an obviously silly thing. You can see the uh, the videos from this guy's stand up. It's literally on. I'm, I'm just seeing it out of the corner of my eye. It's literally the first thing on his Twitter feed. He's a comedian. Let's take it easy there. All right, folks, that's it for our show today. We want to thank all of you for joining us. We want to thank you for giving us that like button and moving us up on the uh, the, the rankings for Rumble. We're doing this completely organically. We don't pay anybody for bots. We don't pay anyone to, to throw likes on there. It's fantastic that you guys are all here and showing up every day. We see uh, Eric Jason with a smash the like. Do not comply. I agree with that. God wins. Ryan Mattis starts to choo-choo. Ryan, you can't be throwing money at me if I'm throwing money at you. This makes no sense. Chad Jody, <laughs> 10 bucks, saying uh, what Eric Jason said. Lemon Zinger, another $2 on the choo-choo. And uh, Flow Grown Girl, our Florida girl, says, uh, Happy Giving Tuesday. Everyone should get a level today. I wish it could be matched. Not many organizations deserve as much based on what they do as Kyle and company do. We really appreciate that. Thanks so much for your for your uh, for your tip on there. And then LW or LKW Cross said, mine's called a rumble rant. Yes, it is. It is a rumble rant. We know they're not super chats. They're rumble rants. And uh, I thank you for all of us. We had a new uh, subscriber. It looks like who jumped on the, the, the list today. Was that Babs? That's Babs. Yes, sir. Babs, thanks yeah, for joining us as here. a monthly subscriber. Guys, if you want to subscribe to the channel here, you could do that. You could support our channel. All you do is click follow on Rumble. And then once you hit the click, and this has to be done probably on a uh, computer, then you hit subscribe and it'll give you a thing. I think it's like five bucks a month. It supports us. It just goes into a, a little kitty that uh, you know supports the channel. We appreciate that. And then I, Steve Reed, with the last Rumble rant saying... When are we going to hold these politicians creating crimes against us accountable? Man, God, I hope it's soon. You know, I really do. 
There's another one. Okay, what else we got? <laughs> FBI Pandy, we're just scanning through them here. FBI Panty Raid said, uh, read Kyle's article on Uncovered DC. It's amazing. I appreciate that, FBI Panty Raid. I'm, I'm glad that you're safe, my friend. We also found out that uh, his wife didn't know we were going to cover the story of his truck. So we're glad that uh, he's okay. We're glad that all of you are with us. We look forward to seeing you again tomorrow. I think we've got a guest tomorrow. So stand by for that. We're going to be talking about more relevant issues, uh, more problems with our federal government. We have to be armed if you want to go into battle against these people. You have to know what it is if you want to start making arguments against them. And one of the things that my wife reminded me of the other day is that more voices is better, period. We're always about quality over quantity, but when it comes to just giving voices out there in the world, we need to have more voices saying the things that are saying it proudly and boldly and exercising that power like Elon Musk does. Power is not like wealth that you can squander it. It's actually more like a muscle and you use it if you don't flex it. We need to flex some of this power, um, do the right things by doing the right things and saying the right things over and over again. So are we there? Are we on the podcast? Number one, Number one on the podcast. We made it. There we thanks go. To this, thanks to our followers. Man, that's awesome. All right, folks. You guys killed it. Thanks so much. We're going to read one five-star review. All of you guys, if you want to leave us a five-star review, all you need to do is go to the link that is in the show description. That will take you to the link for Apple. If you have an Apple device, then you can also uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. If you miss the live show, you can always listen to it there. And this one is from Miss Laura Lynn. It was given just a couple days ago. Said, you were you, five stars, episodes 176 and 177's were you best and so sincere. You were you, and it sure worked. I've listened to every show, and I've really enjoyed the last two. 176 was tragically interesting and effective, but 177 was so funny with your phraseology. I loved a packed show. D. Bongino's success has been because of his sincerity, his analysis, and his topic choices. You've got your own version, but the combo is magical. Good work. Uh, I love you have a high bar for friends and that you are the antithesis of a sycophant, Laura Collins. Laura, what a lovely thing to say. That's a really thoughtful thing. I'm grateful for you being one of our listeners and for being one of our uh, participants. And thank you so much for the five-star review. Folks, if you want yours read, leave it there on the link. It's in the show description. That's it for today. Uh, follow Ryan Matta at Ryan Matta Media on Twitter. And we'll see you again tomorrow with another Kyle Serafin Show. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live weekdays on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter, Truth Social, and Instagram at Kyle Serafin.